1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, and all the way from across the pond is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons.
0: Good evening. Welcome to the summer. Summer? Yeah, well, it, it's a particularly British in house joke. The temperature hits 25 degrees. We'll take our clothes off and call it summer. Here it lasts one day. Whatever. Yeah. Go on, you're going to spoil it now and tell me what the temperature is mid-afternoon in Massachusetts, are you? I haven't a clue,
1: nor do I care
0: yeah, Okay. There you our, go our, our listeners might
1: uh, I don't think so Anyways, it's a podcast the It'll, be you It'll be different by the time they listen
0: to it so, yeah, there yeah, but you it's go. like playing back in time, isn't it? You know, in a thousand years from now, people will be able to go back to the podcast and get the weather information accurately as it happens live
1: Really? Yeah Huh, interesting. Oh, my um, I remember my, I bought my son a telescope uh, when uh, he was a young lad, and it came with a program for a computer. Uh, and you could go and look at the skies at any time in history and from where you were and see where the star alignment were. I thought it
0: was the coolest thing in the world. That is very cool. In fact, we have a we have a very interesting astral alignment, don't we, tonight? Uh, is it Jupiter and Venus are going to be side by side in the night sky? Some people have suggested it's one of the explanations for the Christmas star. Oh, there you go. There you go. So that's in the night sky tonight. If anybody, uh... well, of course, if you listen to the podcast, tough luck, you've missed it.
1: Yeah, there you go. So, anyways, I mean, we have had this, thing, and I don't know if you've seen it in in uh, the UK. Is of course with all the solar activity, the uh, aurora borealis has been very active. So, uh.
0: oh yeah, yeah, we had some lovely northern lights last week here in the UK, even as far south as where I am in sunny West Wales. And um, yeah, but we have another astronomical catastrophe forecast, don't we? Which could ruin Spirit Quest. Which, for those who haven't yet booked, is on the 19th, 20th of September. Uh, Absolutely. Get, get your tickets now. If we survive the incoming cataclysm... If we
1: don't survive, we'll refund your money.
0: Yeah. Uh, the incoming cataclysm being a giant asteroid that's going to collide with the Earth. Somewhere in that time frame, apparently.
1: Yeah, they're going to nuke it anyway, so we don't have to worry. Ah, we'll send Bruce
0: Willis up and dig a big hole in it. Then we're going to end up with two little ones, aren't we? It's going to be whatever that film was all over again. it Yeah, I'm going to be standing on Salisbury Beach, aren't I, Get looking at this giant wave coming straight at me? No, I, I mean, think.
1: if there's ever a catastrophe, it never hits any civilized country. it always hits some poor, destitute country oh, that can't afford it anyways oh, and totally wipes it up.
0: It's oh, true. Please. Absolutely oh. true. They always hit North America, and the president always survives, and then waters no, 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 no. recede, and president comes country.
1: out. You know, Haiti or Ecuador or, or some uh, some crazy uh, place like that. No, no.
0: Yeah, I mean, with are the, the world's you don't get crap. So kind of we're the world's poorest first world country. And yeah, which do like means f- don't get. What do you mean we don't get crap? We have got a conservative government. It's like having It's, the like, tea, it's like having the Tea Party in power.
1: It's like you've got the smallest country in the world. I mean, you you know, yeah. you, you, the yeah. odds of anything yeah. hitting it are like a yeah. million to
0: one. Yeah, but the odds of us causing trouble worldwide are about one to one. That evens, I reckon. Nobody even pays attention at UK anymore. Really? Yes. How, yes. how many American states have got the Union Jackets? Yeah, yeah, stuff, that was right? back
1: in the day. I mean, let's face yeah. it. You're Why is the in White
0: the, House white? Living in the past. Why is you know, the White sort of House a, white? You're living in the past.
1: So, I mean, that's all.
0: At there least. you go. All right. Then. Okay. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll do your favour, we'll
1: buy a couple of Harriots from you once in a while so we can boost your economy and maybe store a few nukes over there or something. And That's, that's about it. That's awfully generous, Sophie. That's about,
0: of you. It's about Consider, it. Yeah, considering you bankrupt us in World War Two by sending us all these shoddy second-hand boats. Oh, for God's sakes. Anyway, we... enough, of, enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> or we'll end up throwing rocks at each other. Which was an yeah. interesting segue into the topic of tonight's conversation. Which is? Which is rock-throwing. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing.
1: I, I was actually watching uh, an episode of uh, Arthur C. Clarke there, and he did one on uh, poltergeist activity. And, and I found that interesting uh, because it's a worldwide phenomenon. It's not just like it's one place or another place, and it, but it, it happens everywhere.
0: Oh, yeah. It's one of the coolest as well. Um, I, I have had the privilege of uh, witnessing first-hand the poltergeist. Uh, Where on Most Haunted? Uh, no, no, that's just stone <laughs> that wrong. wasn't capped. It doesn't count, uh, no? Yeah. um, uh, not in the entertainment sense, no. And this oh, wasn't okay. a stone that got thrown. Uh, Anne and I were investigating a poltergeist-type outbreak. Although, do you know, um, let's, let's clear one thing up. We use these terms, poltergeist, ghost and haunting, Um
1: yeah, because it's somatics. I mean, each one means different things to
0: different people, really. Well, it, that's. I think that's part of the problem because, in actual fact, it's, it's really a sliding scale. At one end of the scale, we have lots of uh, ghost accounts going way, way back into history where objects are moved and uh, the, the environment is disrupted, objects are thrown, um, and we, we know you know, we tend to put them all in the poltergeist category. But there are lots of poltergeist cases uh, where apparitions have been seen as well. Um, most of those are the end case, cases, of course. So what we really have is, is, a, conti- is a continuum with, uh, you know, the, the very disruptive cases at one end, which we, which we call poltergeist, and then the, mm-hmm. the, tri- the more traditional apparitions and, horn- and, and ghosts at the other end, which we usually label hauntings. But in reality, both, both types of events have many similarities that overlap and so i think possibly it's it's often misleading to uh, to label them arbitrarily um you know as one or the other mm-hmm. but nonetheless they do no, I-
1: yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, uh, Steve. It, it is difficult because of semantics. I mean, some people absolutely hate the word ghost, and every you know, it's spirit or ghost, or, and and they even have different names for spirit and a different, excuse me, uh, different definition for spirit and different definition for ghost. Um, to you, to me, I use them interchangeable. But uh, are you one of those that have uh, separate uh, definitions for the two?
0: Well. Uh- I think you have to use uh, a common language uh, but when you are dealing with people. I think I've got this from the nursing. Um, when you are speaking to somebody, it's important that, uh, to affect communication by speaking. Ah, oh, that's
1: a, my problem.
0: That's at a, a, a you know at a common level of understanding. And so, if somebody is uh-huh. referring to um, to ghosts and apparitions, then then we would you know more naturally use those terms. I think you can be a little bit picky and over-precise at times uh, to the point of being, should we say, banal anal about it. And I think you just have to use what, what's often common parlance. A good example, of course, being EMF meters because, uh, to a physicist, an EMF is an electromotive force and not an electromagnetic field. Um, so there's, a, there's an example of one that you've heard me use many, many times. Well, about
1: if, EMF if you, but if you look up, well, in fact, why don't I do that now? I am going to type in e. EMF into Google, and yeah. let me see what what comes well, up. You probably
0: this. get electromagnetic field meters, and of, of course
1: I go to uh, yeah because electro- of the hit rate electromagnetic fields.
0: Yeah, because of the hit rate, Google is stored purely on the number of hits, and you think of the electromagnetic of people, fields.
1: It's you think of,
0: you think of the number of people each day that are looking up EMF uh, as an electromagnetic field compared to electromotive force, which is what in reality an EMF is, and incidentally um emf is always used in physics with lowercase so it's little m little here we
1: have here we have a business site uh (laughs) mercola.com
0: coca-cola.com
1: mercola m-e-r-c-o-l-a uh and it's this is you know a legitimate uh business site and they use (laughs) electromagnetic fields
0: all right, here we go. Well, an electromagnet- electromotive force, an EMF, is a measurement of the energy that causes current to flow through an electrical circuit. It can be defined as the potential difference in charge between any two points in a circuit. Electromotive force is also known as a voltage. And that's, so,
1: for, maybe that's from
0: a maybe physics, physics Maybe technique. we're
1: absolutely talking about two different things here. Now, Uh, maybe EMF uh, has now become electromagnetic fields.
0: Well, well, this is why I was saying that in common parlance, of course, EMF has now become, it's become an accepted um, abbreviation. Mm -hmm. But in in reality, so if we take this to poltergeists now, Harry Price, who who we've mentioned often on the show, uh, almost never referred to ghosts or apparitions. He referred to them all generally as poltergeists or poltergeisters. Um, was his preferred term for most types of haunting. Um, he he was uh, quite consistent in that use, although he did when talking, you know, sort of more generally to the public in some of the magazine articles, the newspaper articles, and he referred to himself throughout his career as a ghost hunter. But he always referred to the ghosts themselves often as poltergeists or poltergeisters. Uh, in his books and, and writings, geisters. I love that. That's, that's uh... well. I mean, it, the, the actual word. Uh, it's not even a particularly old word. I mean, we all know it comes from the German. Uh, sermon, meaning noisy. Okay. Mentioned German. I mean, literally noisy ghost from the, uh, and it, it only really dates to the 1830s. Um, oh really? The etymology of the word Vic- only really Victorian dates.
1: area, is that?
0: Uh, well, it's just pre-Victorian. Um, Pre-Victorian German, okay. ge- uh, German word. Um, it's a construct of two words, isn't it? Geist, the ghost, and Poulton to make a noise or rattle something. So it's a noisy, rattly ghost. But then that that describes very many types of haunting because you've got many types of haunting. I mean, um, as you're aware, I'm I'm working on book two, um, which has a history of ghost haunting. And here in West Wales, we have a very interesting account that dates back to the 12th century. Uh, It was written by a... uh, a clergyman, a monk who was born locally to me, um, and he he travelled extensively throughout Wales and wrote the book a, a book uh, called the it- the itinarium Cambrai, which in Latin means the Tour of Wales, uh, which was published in eleven ninety one and he records several within Pembrokeshire, the county where I am now um, and let me describe the um, oh, Using modern language, um, one of the uh, ghosts, geists, that affected the home of William Knott and uh, Gerald says, they have been been in the habit of manifesting themselves, throwing refuse all over the place, more keen perhaps to be a nuisance than to do any real harm. They were a cause of annoyance to both the host and to guests alike, ripping up their clothes of linen and their woollen clothes too, even cutting holes in them. But no matter what precautions were taken, there seemed to be no way of protecting these garments or protect from the flying objects, not even if doors were kept locked and bolted. So that goes back to 1191. Um, And doesn't that sound like a poltergeist, what we would call a poltergeist?
1: Well, what is the definition of? Uh, is it?
0: I mean, well, we have a number. Of, like, like with ghosts, we have a number of definitions. Um, that, you
1: know, one of the subject- and suggestions as to why. One of the accepted theories of the time was uh, that a young person was the cause of the activity, but uh, to me, in my own personal beliefs, I, I don't necessarily believe that uh, even that theory.
0: Well, that theory is probably the most widely used. Uh, exactly. Widely reported. But there are many, many cases where that, that's not the case. Um, the, the, the theory, I think, stems from the 1930s. And the American uh, Nando Fodder, a parapsychologist and psychologist, um, put forward the theory that some poltergeist disturbances were caused not by spirits but by human agencies. Um, And he pointed a finger at teenage girls in in the 1940s. Another researcher from the SPDR again uh, points this same finger. But in reality, um, the theory really gained um, traction in the 1960s when the American parapsychologist and then director of the Ryan Institute in, in North Carolina... Uh, identified poltergeists as an example of recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, and he gave us that, that abbreviation RSPK. And he researched reports of poltergeist occurrences over 400 years, and he, he built upon this idea that most often uh, the poltergeist was an angry child or a teenager who subconsciously caused the disturbances. Now, <laughs> I've heard parapsychologists... A fairly glibly state. Um, oh, well you know, it's not paranormal. It's an angry teenager uh, who's you know mentally out of control and uh, throwing causing these things to take place. Um, now, you know, that doesn't that strike you as slightly odd? It's not paranormal. It's just it's just the the, the rampant angry mind of a teenager. Um, that in itself seems to be fairly paranormal, perhaps supernatural, bizarre. But it's one of these anomalies within parapsychology they're using something that's unexplained to explain something that can't be explained
1: well don't we all try to do that and we try to
0: the skeptics tend to i mean it does make them look clever doesn't it you know they, they come up with these theories that are totally groundless um you know just no i mean on...
1: it's ba- no that's not true it's not Groundless. It's based on fact. Uh, it's based on other theories, and they apply those to the particular situation. So I don't. I don't believe they're groundless. I mean, that's, well, that's, I mean, that's in, in many crass, cases. That.
0: Well, yeah. is it because in many cases, you know, skeptics and parapsychologists, who who you would think would be objective, have demonstrated a crass approach to investigating spontaneous cases, which from which pol- all parapsychologists. Okay, uh, manifestations are in fact because they're they're uncontrolled, they're spontaneous nobody nobody orders them up Um, take for example the Enfield case which has been shown here recently on um, Sky Television and I think now accessible in America because I know some American listeners have already seen the series, the Enfield haunting Um, now in that case whilst it was being investigated uh, by researchers from the SPR other members of the society, other uh, quite sort of eminent parapsychologists, came along and waved it off as, as uh, nothing more than tricks and hoaxing by the two girls involved, the two teenage girls, one 11, one aged 13. Now, that, that wave off continues today. We have the American researcher, Joe Nickel, who dismisses everything out of hand. Clearly, you know, without reading, clearly without understanding uh, the testimony of those involved, he blames the girls for everything. When clearly they weren't there for a number of the events that took place uh, within the within the original uh, investigation, the girls did, uh, on on several uh, occasions, try their hand at joining in with the poltergeist and throwing stuff but on every occasion were rapidly caught out and you've got to remember that they were 11 and 13 years old and you know children will still be children but a lot of what the witnesses experienced a lot of what the witnesses saw cannot be explained by the simple act of an 11 year old and a 13 year old getting up to mischief they couldn't for example uh, rip a 60 pound cast iron fire out of a out of a brick wall uh, they couldn't cause objects to, to float through walls. They couldn't cause uh, a chair to be seen to be moved by a police witness. There were countless incident incidents where the children couldn't not have been involved, and yet Nickel and the earlier researchers from the SPR just pinned the tail on the donkey with their crass, ridiculous explanation.
1: Uh, I, you know, the poltergeist thing is, is interesting, but uh, to me I think that perhaps it, it's, you know, Far more interesting to me is the stone throwing, and and there are s- cases throughout the world and throughout the years, and and perhaps you have the most interesting, I think, in 1979 at the uh, Thornton Road in uh, Birmingham. Are you familiar with that one?
0: Um, actually, I'll, I'll be honest. No. Um. I know of many in the UK, and we we uh, there are there are many, um, as you say, uh, in yeah, the documents. And-
1: yeah, in 1979, five houses in Thornton Road in Birmingham, if I'm saying that right. I don't know
0: how you guys speak. Yeah, 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 they were, Birmingham.
1: They were, subjectly, uh, they were subject to regular assaults by uh, flying stones. The residents were forced to uh, board up their windows, and, and of course, you know, a lot, a lot of damage to the windows. I mean, hundreds of pounds. And they had actually ended up putting chicken wire and everything over the, the windows. The police were called in. The police actually. Um, Spent over uh, 3,500 hours watching the houses, and uh, they put it under uh, surveillance, and they still could not find any uh, source of these stones. Uh, The stones went on for, I think it was uh, almost two years, and um, the stones were round like they were from a riverbed, yet there was almost like they were washed. There was no soil on them at all. it's, you know, an interesting case here. We had uh, a, a reputable investigative service, the police, uh, who actually did surveillance on the houses, and yet they couldn't solve the mystery.
0: No, exactly. And that, that, that same scenario holds, holds true of just about every case that's ever been investigated. And, in fact, what, one of the common threads that runs through policy cases um, is the... the the object is often seen in flight, and the object is often seen to land. But what's all, what's very interesting is that in all, there is almost no accounts. There are literally a handful from the thousands and thousands of poltergeist reports of the object actually starting off, beginning its movement. Um, hmm. You know, they, they're seen th- flying through the air, or even stopping in midair, and then falling. You know, uh, vertically. To
1: well, you said change. you were involved yeah. with a case. Did did you? Yeah. Find, uh, did you it, find well, that or?
0: No, I mean, ours was a very, very minor incident. That, but nonetheless, it was it was still you know highly interesting. Anne and I were uh, the ha- the family had had a number of uh, objects thrown and moved, and of course, um, <laughs> as is usually the case, nothing ever happens, or not, you'd expect nothing ever happens for uh, when the investigators are there, and that was largely the case, except on one particular night, and Anne and I were uh, sitting in the kitchen, we knew where all the family were, they were all in the lounge, and uh, a rolled-up ball of socks um, sort of floated, bounced its way down the stairs and ended up in the middle of the hallway in front of us as, as the two of us watched. We both saw it. Um, now, although we knew the family were in the lounge, we did you know, go and make a, a, a check, that none of them had escaped uh, you know, maybe one of them had become invisible and had got, got themselves upstairs or would scale the outside of the building um, yeah, that, I mean, that, that in itself I mean, but we've seen objects move at other investigations the, the shipyard which we talked about I think we mentioned last week uh, when Anne was on the show where we watched doors opening and closing where we watched pull cord light switches being turned on and off by a pull action, you know, they're just as they're just as interesting. But what's also interesting, and I think but this, I
1: mean, th- all right, doesn't that fit in with your your uh, infrasound theory, where where actually sound could be moving these objects?
0: Well, that's been explored, not just by me, but by. Um, researchers from the society, because one of the theories was that poltergeist activity, this movement, this sudden explosive force movement of objects was caused by seismic activity, and so uh, Tony Cornell and Alan Gould actually got themselves a condemned property, and they attached Mm -hmm. a vibration machine to it and and tried to shake the bloody thing down to the point where they damn near brought the building down on themselves, but failed to replicate any of the effects of objects falling or jerking about.
1: I actually watched Um, footage of that today.
0: Oh, cool. So, I mean, they will have created infrasound. Well, infrasound can do unusual things. It can, it can uh, in certain circumstances, cause structural movement, um, you know, doors to pop. Literally, it will shake them for long enough, and if the door's sort of jammed in its frame, it will pop open. But that doesn't explain, you know, a light switch being turned on and off. Um, and other, you know, I, I think you've already witnessed, uh, you were telling me that uh, books coming off a, off a bookshelf um, Correct. Yeah, you know, we can't. I mean, it would be stupid to even try and explain that with infrasound, or you know, it would be fairly stupid to try and explain it at all, because we don't yet have the mechanisms of understanding to try and offer forward an explanation. And this is where sceptics, of course, always come undone, because you know, the definition of a sceptic is someone who can always explain anything away. The definition of an objective reader. Searcher is never when to stop trying to explain it and just accept that weird shit happens mm-hmm.
1: that's the the interesting thing about it is though we you know a lot of these cases they look for particular reasons, but do they you know they really take in all the environmental reasons uh you, you know what was the atmospheric conditions at the time was there a, a low pressure a high pressure in the area you know you know, where there, are, you know, storms uh, close by? I mean, there, there, a, lot of, a lot of these things are absolutely overlooked because we're so uh, busy looking at the forest, we don't see the trees. Well, we're well, so also busy
0: listening for EVPs these days. But yeah, that's there, true, there, too. <laughs> there, is a, there is another problem here. With I mean, you've touched on equipment. Um, I know we've got a break coming up, but one of the, other, one of the key problems that we have with equipment is... You know we're measuring everything um, all too often we're measuring way 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 too much you know there is no point in, in taking thousands of infrared photographs if somebody's only ever heard footsteps there's no point in uh, in recording sound when you know when the only thing that's ever been witnessed is an apparition you have to target the equipment that you're using and the measurements that you're making uh, a you know it, uh, so that they're done in a meaningful way with with uh, some form of credibility. I know we've rant. You've heard me ranting endlessly about just using uh, internet bought things that don't that aren't calibrated and you know just give you x, uh, x more or less numbers of coloured lights as a, as a basis. But we do need to measure things. Um, but we. There are standards for measuring stuff by you have uh, We have the International Standards Organization who define how to measure things, and it is important that we do take consideration of things that that are important and uh, in some cases it might be significant that we measure the weather in some cases it might be significant and necessary that we measure temperature or some other environmental factor from infrasound, even um, electromagnetic radio frequency, electrostatic fields a whole raft of things that might need to be measured. But like with any experiment, the, you know, the ones that you do at school, you have to design the experiment. You have to write down the, the, the methodology and the protocol and the steps that you pursue. You can't just, yeah. well, what should we do tonight? Oh, I know. Let's get the EMF meter out. Yeah, I, that's I, I,
1: I get your point. That's a, it's a good point. Uh, but, for instance, I think in, in cases where objects move, that I think the environment is is critical in in uh, trying to understand it.
0: Well. It might be, but we have no link between the movement and the environment. Oh, yeah, we still, do. Of
1: course we do. I mean, we have, you know, well, doors open and close, and you have difference between pressure and… Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. And we've actually, you know, we've, we've got a case here, we had a case here in the UK about 15 years ago where, where it was actually air pressure, a uh, thermal air pressure caused by uh, a fire on one side of a door versus a cold exactly. room on the other, where the door was swinging um and you know we, we were able to, to demonstrate that so yes it's absolutely important but i think the very f- first thing that we need to capture is um the object in flight because we can do with modern technology with modern photography we can actually do a great deal of useful uh measuring from from some of these this is uh,
1: true if you if you have you know, uh, anyways we're actually coming we, up to the we're actually coming up to the break so we're going to hold that right thought right now um so anyways, you're listening to uh, Ghost Chronicles uh, right here on Tojanet, uh, Ghost Chronicles International, on Tojanet, Parax, uh, Planet Paranormal, and Crackle Radio, or Radio Crackle, or wherever else. I am Ron Kolick. He is Steve Parson. We'll be right back after the following messages, if we don't get
0: An oasis in
1: this hectic world. The creepy and the goofy, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly, gooky. The Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal. The Parrax family.
0: They're strange, deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Baylor X family. Greetings and felicitations.
1: I am Ron Colette, New England's own Van Helsing.
0: And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the Blonde Bombshell.
1: We're here at the elegant Venture Hall, the Downton Abbey of Linux.
0: We would like to extend a formal invitation to you
1: to tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles: of Next Generation
0: on para ParaX, Ghost Channel, and Planet Paranormal.
1: You can even listen live on your smartphone with your TuneIn app, or catch the podcast on iTunes.
0: And now, time for tea. They're here. Because tonight's show is about poltergeists. Of course, that was a line from the 1982 very famous film called Poltergeist, um, described on IMDb as a family's home haunted by by a host of ghosts. That was 1982. The description for the 2015 remake says, A family whose suburban home is haunted by evil forces, and they must come together to rescue their daughter. After the good. apparitions take her captive. That's so nice. You see how they've how they sort of eviled it up. Let's, have a bit of, up? let's have a bit of evil. You yeah, know, it's none of this no. cutesy little kid stuff from 1980s.
1: Well, that's the problem. There's so much horrible stuff going on in the world that we've become uh, insensitive. So we need something even more horrible to scare us.
0: Well, why can't, we have, why, why can't we go the opposite way? Have poltergeists abducting cute little puppy dogs? I don't
1: know. Why can't poltergeists abduct uh, Cameron? <laughs>
0: And, uh, oh, oh. Did I say oh, that's something? That's just got me on wishful thinking. Yeah. Wishful <laughs> thinking. yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: there you go. Anyway, but, you know, we had a, uh, a really interesting case here in uh, New Hampshire, uh, Stone Throw. In fact, it's, uh went all the way back to uh, 1682. Do you remember that?
0: Um, well, it wasn't. Oh, you were? Oh, I was. Oddly, I just, I just I was writing. It, I was writing about... I was writing about uh, paranormal mass in the 1680s this afternoon.
1: There you go. This guy named uh, George Walton, believe it or not, uh, from Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which, of course, you know is where the lighthouse is. And, oh, a, yeah, on a Sunday lighthouse. night, on a Sunday night in June, uh, he uh, started getting uh, uh, bombarded by stones on his uh, roof and sides of his house. And uh, if he went outside, he even uh, got hit uh, by stones coming down. But uh, there was no, uh, no, uh, what's what's the word for it? No source of these. Uh, They couldn't find a source at all. And uh, they collected the stones and they piled them up. uh, And the interesting thing about (laughs)
0: it—sorry, I was just thinking—they piled them up and then sold them. Mystery Hill became Mystery Hill. probably sold them. Became mm-hmm. yeah. America's that,
1: and then of course it ended up with uh, you know inside stuff, uh, levitation, and that type of things as well. But well, there
0: you go. The Polit guys do tend to follow a pattern. Um, you know, there is a sort of progression, and one of the things that we've done in be very aware of when we're investigating um, private cases in particular. It was blamed uh, on witchcraft, by the way. Well, in fact, yeah, um, you know, most of these early ones were by, uh, blamed on witchcraft or the devil or, or bad spirits because um that was how they understood these these manifestations you know we talk about gerald of wales earlier in the show and he didn't lay the blame at you know he, he laid the blame at witches is unclean spirits and sorcerers and conjurers uh, but they do tend to follow a progression um and one of the things you have to be very very careful when you're dealing with any investigation case is what you say because you know often well, i think i think it's it, it's changed a little now but in the past people may not have heard of poltergeists incredibly um or the or, or understand them in the way that you know that these these cases tend to follow a a sort of pathway um i mean generally i think they last around about five or six months there is a progression from uh they start off with knocking and scratching and then they develop into object movement and then sometimes into more severe um Manifestations, physical uh, manifestations, perhaps apparitions. Then you have flooding and fire and all of these other sort of. They they do seem to follow a formula, getting progressively worse, and then they subside and cease quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: you know the interesting thing about it, as I mentioned before, that th- there are well documented cases throughout the world. I mean, everywhere absolutely. from uh, America and Europe to Africa and even Australia. Uh,
0: uh, Africa, uh, Japan. Uh, China, Asia, uh, the Middle East, as you say, everyone. Right. I don't know of an Eskimo one. I've got to admit that a snowball throwing Poltergeist. Mm. Well, I haven't it could yet be still stone. I, I'm not it could saying be still that there isn't one up in Alaska. You know, uh, if there's any listeners on the podcast in Injulik or or Nanulik or whatever the lick you live in, if you have a snowball throwing Poltergeist, oh. please do uh, moose, 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 whatever. That's, is. Canada, that's Canada. They just Same. deserve it. Can you? Uh, oh, wow. So that's... that's well, why. yeah, I, I was... Actually, I was talking to a Canadian the other day who... who um, I, I asked him, because I was getting muddled up about the provinces, and I asked him if he was from Quebec, and he said, no, Quebec's not part of Canada. Well, it is only when they want something. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. Just a side political little... Wins of there you go.
1: Anyways, uh, there's also... And, and this kind of fits in with your new book, uh, which is Paracoustics uh some of these cases uh have been uh accompanied by sounds
0: oh yeah uh, uh, i mean that's that's absolutely um, very much part of the poltergeist progression uh for the, they they start off with the, the knocks and raps, and we have a whole chapter in paracoustics that, that considers the seance room and the the haunted houses were these knocks and scratches i mean you know i think one of the the most notable cases um you have in America, of course, you have the Bell Witch, and you have the outbreak of knocks and raps at Hydesville. Um, here we can counter with the drummer of Tedworth, who, uh, again, started off uh, drumming on walls, but later on to a drum itself. Um, but we have we have famously, and I, I know you saw me do spoke to Quest last year, uh, the, the ghost case, which we would call a poltergeist today, of Scratching Fanny. The Scratching ghost- Fanny. Scratching Fanny, the ghost of cock, the cockling ghost. Now, of course, in, in the UK, the words mean slightly different things. So, uh...
1: Now, the interesting thing about it is Harry Price was involved with that, right?
0: Uh, well, I hope not, because Harry Price would. would, would we're still 200 years into the future when that case um, really took place yeah yeah i mean the cock lane ghost was it way back in the 18th century but interestingly price does refer to it several times in, in a number of his books because it's often been said um, that hidesville is is the first account of the communication wrapping the this idea of developing a code uh, you know one wrap for yes two wraps for no three wraps for
1: oh that brings up another case go ahead
0: um, you know, for for however, um way, way, way earlier, in fact one of the the first documented ones is actually the Cochrane ghost, um, scratching Fanny. Um, and the investigators there, the magistrates who were questioning the ghost uh, of Fanny, uh, were using and kind developed of, a, a simple three uh, one, 2 3 rap, yes and no don't know code. And in fact that that was used several times way before high school. mm so Fanny
1: Price, that's what I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. She died of consumption yeah. in the early 30s and was buried in a local churchyard, but is still alive oh. today. Uh, Several so months later. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, in the 1990s, you were around then. Yeah. This is uh, in regards to the Skidmore, Skidrid. How do you say that? skid
0: Skid Skidred. Skidred in. Skid. in. Yes, I've been to the Skirid Inn. Yes, so are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Um, Well, I'm familiar with the location, but you know, we we do have, uh, here in the UK, every location doesn't have just one ghost. Well, it used to have maybe one ghost, but now everybody's got dozens. So which particular ghost of the Skirid are you referring?
1: This is, well, in 1990s, during a live broadcast from the inn, a Mm -hmm. medium, okay, a medium...
0: That gives you uh, so credibility you, straight away?
1: Right, yeah, uh, was asked her impressions and said she sensed a young woman, possibly in her 30s, who had died from consumption. Wow. Realized, yes, but go on. Uh, several months later, a couple researching their family history paid the landlady a visit and told her that uh, they were seeking information one of their ancestors, Harry Price, who owned the premises during the 18th century? Is this the same Harry Price or another Harry Price? Uh, well, it can't possibly be the same Harry Price because okay, he, he this, Harry Price, this Harry this Price, this this particular Harry Price, Price, right, had a f- wife named Fanny Price who died of consumption in her 30s, was buried in a local. Cool. Yeah, see, that's where I was confused, because it was two Harry Price's.
0: <gasps> yeah. But you, yeah see, they... but you see, you know, I talked before about sceptics easily explaining stuff away, but you've also got to try and explain the, the obvious possibilities first. Now, she's buried in the local churchyard, so presumably there burial be a record of her burial and a headstone with her name on it. And it wouldn't be beyond the wit of man or mediums because they've done it several times before and have been caught doing it, visiting the local church or the local parish register and getting a few names and going, oh well I'm sensing there was a woman Fanny Price, now she was in her 30s. No, because... Okay. You can only get the detail from the headstone, so it's, it's going to be fairly scary. I,
1: I know we're off a little top, uh, topic yeah, there, no, but I, I, I actually, yeah, I know, but it, it, one, one quick comment on that. There was an, actually a gentleman from the U.K. who predicted a, uh, a uh, airline would go down and uh, it had red on its tail and uh, 45 people would die in around March 15th. Wow. And and I think on March 17th, the yeah. this airline uh, crashed, uh, it had red on its tail, and yeah. 47 people died.
0: That's so cool. If But I'm going to counter that with some common sense because, A, I, I can't remember his name. I wish I could get to the bit of paper that, that's on the shelf somewhere with it in. But there was um, an interesting statistical uh, prediction made by a psychologist. Who, this is what I was talking about. This I've is the guy. That, Oh, right. This is the guy. Go on, then. Keep doing the maths. So
1: so what he did is uh, he uh, had a book of all airline crashes, and (laughs) he crunched the numbers, basically, and found out that the most airline crashes uh, occur in March, and and the most in March uh, around the eyes of March. And the average deaths in an airline at that time, uh, when he did this prediction, was 45, hence the number he came up with. And most of the, uh, the uh, symbols of, uh, of the airlines had some type of red in their logos. Yep. So See. he was able to... Uh,
0: it's interesting, though. I mean, it, It's very interesting. I mean, it's something that's been... You know, I remember the prediction, and do you know what's interesting is that prediction has been repeated in books as a fact um, where there's been a slight change in the guy's name and uh, it's been put forward as a, as a proven psychic uh, claim. Um, Really? Seriously? It's absolutely seriously. And, in fact, I've even seen it do the rounds of the Internet uh, periodically. Um, Fortunately, not for very long, because somebody nails it with the original original, uh, prediction by the uh, statistician uh, involved. Mm -hmm. But you're absolutely right. You know, uh, Harry Price, uh, I think the very first book he published, or one of the very first books he published, um, with Eric Dingwall was a book on how uh, how, how mediums could um, uh, go about their business um, and most of it is research based you know, rather like a good investigator uh, many psychics of course are, are excellent investigators and they investigate where they're going and um, they have com- companions and I've actually seen it firsthand, hand um, where I've, I've uh, been to a theatre where there's been a psychic or uh, and I've seen them researching the crowds beforehand and the people beforehand, yeah. and then giving back the information during the reading as an amazing fact. Ah. And of course, you know, <laughs> so what? The medium turned up at the Skirrid and uh, went, wandered up to the bar and said, oh, I'm, "I'm sensing there's a lady here and uh, names Fanny Price and she died in the 30s. well, 30s. Well, what was the medium doing half an hour before? Probably, I don't know. Pop, pop, uh, <laughs> Well, like you and Ann Kerrigan, probably gone cemetery-tripping. Ah. <laughs> uh, so you be be cynical something. here, huh? Well, it's, you have to... I'm not saying that that's the only mechanism, but isn't that more likely? What's the most likely scenario? Because the paranormal... It's pretty rare, or at least it should be, otherwise it wouldn't be paranormal. And it's, in, it's, if it's plausible... I mean, you know, the idea of somebody going into a cemetery... And then noting the name on a headstone, even even perhaps, let's give the medium the benefit of the doubt, even subconsciously registering the name and the date, and the or the, the, the name and the age on the, on the headstone, uh, rather than willfully doing it, is much more likely a scenario than a psychic impression. And of course, the guy coming along looking for his family is is, is completely unrelated, but becomes... Um, is then given a huge amount of additional significance uh, in the light of what's ha- what's transpired beforehand well you know the, the 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 guy in the pub probably had a dozen people coming into the, into the hotel over the years researching their ancestors because people have a very strong interest in genealogy um, my, you know, there are members of, of my own family who are researching the family tree um, so it's not of that, that bit of it well, I think we can discount
1: yeah but there is there are many cases of predictions that we we can 't i mean for instance i this is i, I can 't remember the name of it and it 's from the u k actually uh stephen and you might know it uh, It was a bureau of something or other, and what they did is they asked people if you had any predictions at all, you could call it in, you could send letters or whatever. And then they actually kept all the records and they, they followed up and they soon found out they had their stars, which were, were people that could actually come up with predictions. Uh, but the funny thing about it, which was, was kind of interesting, is that when they went to their stars and asked them to kind of perform, their, their uh, record actually went down. So they're thinking of... I wish I could think of the name of this bureau. It was in the UK. Um, but uh, they actually uh, found that their their uh, uh, rightness went down when they were forced to do it under the pressure. So their, their thoughts were that uh, there are people who can predict, but it's totally spontaneous. In other words, it's more... Um, you're not thinking about predicting it, it just comes to you and those are the ones that seem to be more accurate than those who uh, you know try to predict
0: I, 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 I would actually concur with you and I think that the same also applies in, in ghost hunting cases because in many um, the vast majority of witnesses to to, uh, an apparition are consciously not ghost hunting, are consciously not looking for ghosts or even thinking about ghosts. It it just Mm -hmm. spontaneously happens. That's why we have this umbrella term, and it's a very, very good term, spontaneous cases, which covers these completely uncontrolled, spontaneous events. I still like that. And it does cover as well um, in, in, you know, Anne and I have talked about it uh, on the show where we we, we both said that, you know, if mediumship exists, it's Mm -hmm. Probably uncontrollable, and where where I think you should be suspicious is if a medium can switch it on and off to order, um, mm-hmm. because that seems to fly in the face of what we ourselves have experienced. I,
1: I, you know, um, I was thinking, I was thinking myself the other day, and, and we were actually talking about this subject. Is that that perhaps the three most interesting uh, phenomena that I've ever witnessed uh, it were full body apparitions, but they were absolutely not what I was investigating. The first one was at the Houghton Mansion when we were doing a, a uh, conference there, and I was setting up for the conference, and I looked over to the left, and I saw a, a woman walk uh, th- through like the, the past the door, and I, I ran in there because I thought I didn't know who they were, and I thought someone snuck in or whatever. So, and, but I, where she went was a wall. She just disappeared into a wall, and but once again, I was just setting up for a conference. The second one was at Wood Island was after a ghost on Saturday morning, morning in the daylight. I sat down having coffee with someone and looked at the kitchen and saw a dog go across the door. And once again, that proved to be uh, no dog that was in there. And uh, it was clear as day. And then, of course, the third one was just last year when I was doing ghost tours and just talking to groups and saw I thought was a member of the group. Uh, not the group, but the, the tour people, and uh, it wasn't, it was a apparition. So here you are, three profound cases that I witnessed, and yet none of them were I when I was looking for ghosts.
0: No, and I, I think the experiences of Anna and I would fully uh, fall under that, into in, in, in line with what your experiences are. I, we've never had an experience where we've been sitting there waiting for it to happen, um, Every one that we've had has always caught us off guard, sort of, because it's happened when you're least expecting. And there used to be an old joke, you know, when you're setting up or on your break or uh, whatever you're doing, when you not go something. And and that's one of the things that parasites has has actively set out to do over the years because of that learned experience is we we try as much as possible to stop our our investigators investigating or even thinking about ghosts when they're in haunted buildings and you saw me uh to a small extent doing that when we were doing the ghost Hunters spirit quest um where we were trying to break the mold and uh, you know allow them to chatter between themselves encouraged them to stop actively sitting there staring into the darkness waiting for a ghost to appear which was difficult when you had your group in the next room shining laser grids everywhere yeah it wasn't a fun yeah it was fun but it was very off-putting and you didn't catch it any more than we did so you know sure i I did i'm sure we caught
1: caught evps and uh, do you remember who won that ghost hunt by the way Um, uh yeah i believe it was us yes you're right it
0: it was and I wonder why that was. It couldn't be because you were making up the rules as you were going along. But I should also call you that in the eyes of the participants, the British way was the better way, the more no, enjoyable
1: In no, no. the eyes of the British groupies, the British way was the best way. Mm, we did swap groups.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, but it was always the groupies yeah. that loved your yeah, way. But
0: I think that if anybody cares it to scroll back a year or so on, uh, uh, on Facebook and see the... Yeah. That's the difference okay. you will see that ron's group had how many ghost meter pros how many laser grids how many evp devices oh, a yeah, thermal yeah. camera what did we get what were we given a union jack pen and a torch yeah that's nice you see it, it was stacked it was definitely stacked mm-hmm. speaking of which how many tickets are left for spirit quest I and mean, what i believe we have uh, some new new uh additions to spirit quest. All
1: right, yeah, Spirit Quest, uh, of course, you can get your tickets. It is, believe it or not, it's selling pretty good right now. It's um, coming Spirit, closer. Spirit Quest, Book of Shadows. It, we look at ghost hunting and witchcraft, and it's going to be a, a unique thing. Uh, some of the, the stuff that's going on is, uh, well, let me talk about the participants who are going to have, uh, of course, yourself, the Wall Street Journal's ghost, standard in ghost hunting. And we're going... There's a bit yep. of Welsh in
0: there, then, wasn't
1: there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, New England's own Van Helsink will be there. But we also have uh, Salem Witch Kelly Spangler, who was on the Ghost Adventures when they did the uh, Witch House in Salem. Uh, Roxy Zwicker, who of New England Curiosities, will be there, as well as uh, Josh Mantello from Berkshire Paranormal. Um, oh, what's his name? I, I just drew a blank. Uh, well, the guy who runs uh, the Salem... Uh, which uh, tours? Uh, Salem Night Tours. Christian. No, no, not Christian. No, no. Uh, God, I drew a blank. Uh, whatever. Anyways, Hugh will be there uh-huh. as well. And uh, who do I forget? This I know. There's others as well.
0: Well, uh, we have the blonde bombshell going. We have Leslie going. We have. Yeah, blonde, there you go. Uh, I, it's, I, if you haven't been to Spirit Quest and you're in the New England area, or if you, in fact, if you're anywhere in North America, because we've had people travel a fair distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, from california and oh, we already
1: have some coming from new jersey and
0: new yeah. york and, well we've had california and vermont so you know and, and florida uh, and canada if you're listening you know we'll welcome you unless you're from quebec mm-hmm. and you speak french um but
1: anyways uh, you know that's
0: be there people or are
1: miss there. out yeah, the, some of the, the events that are going to happen, of course, is the Blair Witch ghost hunt, which, yeah, I mean, that, they're all going to be kind of witchy theme because that's the theme of the, the event, but uh, it's going to be serious, and we're going to do a, uh, a uh, just like Blair Witch, we're going to go through the woods, the haunted woods. You implied uh, for
0: a minute that the Blair Witch was serious. You're going to tell me next it was a documentary. No, 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 no.
1: <laughs> so, anyways, uh, actually, one of the groups will be led by a witch, and the other one will be led by the muggles, so uh, that'll be interesting. We'll see how oh, yeah. that works Har- out.
0: got Harry Potter
1: there. Yeah, there you go. And, um, of course, we're going to have the Dining with the Dead, as usual, and, which yeah. will be kind of cool, and, and we will have a witch trial uh, during the dinner. And afterwards, we're going out and have a witch's bonfire.
0: Time for your joke. How many calories what, does it burn? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going to do yeah, it because I'm. am still sure that you won't let me do the ultimate science experiment, which is a throwback to Harry Price's turning a young boy to. Well, if you remember, Price went to Brocken in Germany in the 1930s and tried to use magic and enchantment to turn a young boy into a goat into a young uh, a young boy. But you know, there are lots of I have say, some some interesting spells from the 15 uh, 1500s and 1600s. Did all the detailed step by step guide to summoning the devil. At a witch's uh, sabbat, mm-hmm. uh, you won't, I, you won't, let, me, you won't no. let me do it. No, no. no. Politically correct, on madam. It's not a
1: demonology workshop; it's witches. So.
0: Uh, well, as I'm sure Kelly and the other witches will tell you, the, the, the witchcraft and devil worshiping is inexorably linked, right the way back to the ancient days. So you can't have one without the other. So I'm afraid we will be we will be doing a little devil discu- discussion. Oh, uh, whatever. But we could anyways. summon him. We could summon him if you'd let me. We'll give yeah, him a we'll go. Be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we could get we don't Ron Junior in sum- a pair. Of- we
1: don't have to summon him. You'll be there. We later. can
0: get Ron Junior and a pair of hoof boots and some plastic horns to play the part.
1: Right, there you go. that work.
0: Uh, that Yeah, work.
1: It's, yeah it's cool. So anyways, I will <laughs> give some... Some horns in your head. I think it would be
0: ap- more apropos. We can, we, we can do we can do uh, burgers on the on the witches on the burgers. Anyways, that was like, the
1: doorbell, which means uh, I I some of the dentist here so we're get to go. But I wanted to be, tell you something. Yesterday we went to America Stonehenge, which is yeah, a, one of the oldest sites. Uh, it dates back yeah. four thousand BC. It dates
0: back and, to the uh, 1930s, you mean?
1: Four thousand BC, and uh, it's the oldest megalith site in America. Is and, it? Yes, it is. And um, the anyways, no. Well, uh, you should do a little more research. Anyways, <laughs> uh, fine. Uh, once again, if you go to uh, Nickel, I'm sure he'll tell you everything is facing anyway, so whatever. Uh, but we have documentation, including petroglyphs and everything else, that proves it does go back then. But, anyways, uh, See, you forgot my thing. But I I set up an experiment just for you because here we are in the middle of woods and everything else, and I brought a K2 meter with me, and I used the K2 meter, uh, and I I attempted to contact the spirits, in your name, of course, uh, asking them to speak to us through the K2 meter. Did they? Well, you'll have to tune into our show and
0: find out. Well, um, can I make a prediction? Yeah, sure. I bet they did because it's a cell sensor and it will have detected cellular phones and radio waves.
1: No, it was in the middle of the woods. And so we used the K2 meter, yeah, which is a sensor. does matter. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You could use your mobile phone in the middle of the woods. That's using radio frequency yeah, as well.
1: Anyways, oh, the, there, there's there's the music, here's the music. Here's the music. So on behalf of myself and Joe Nickel here, uh, we're going to say good <laughs> night. God bless.
0: <laughs> yeah, just call me 50 cents. <laughs> yeah. Take care. Good. From goalies to ghosties, long-legged beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us.